Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. I want you to stand to your feet and turn your Bibles to the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter uh, 2. Exodus chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 23. What's taking place here? is the children of Israel have been in bondage and in bondage for over 400 years. Joseph has died, the one that has brought them to Egypt to help sustain them and help protect them. And they've been there and they begin to grow. And as they begin to grow, the uh, Egyptian pharaohs came down hard on them in order to hold them back. But that resistance that Pharaoh brought upon the children of Israel created the opposite effect of what they expected. They thought resistance would kill them, but instead resistance built them. Uh, For those of you that work out, you understand this, that without resistance, the muscle won't grow. It's the very resistance that helps muscles grow. It's the very resistance that gives you the opportunity to help build that muscle. So without resistance, you you have no ability to grow. And it's through this resistance that they're facing that they call out to God. And in verse 23, reading out of the New Living Translation, it says this. Many years later, the king of Egypt died and the Egyptians groaned. Everyone say groaned. Under their slavery and cried out. Say cried out. Their cries of relief from their hard labor ascended to God. Pray with me now. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As you're seated, I want you to understand that we've all been on the verge. Everyone say on the verge. On the verge means on the edge, on the cusp, on on the beginning of something. And They're on the verge. They're on the very cusp of something taking place. But I want you to understand that on the verge of everything that we go through, there's three things I want you to understand and we need to remember. And I'm going to go through this a little quickly this morning, but I want you to recognize, number one, is that you need to remember first and foremost, you have to remember why you're here. Everyone say that with me, why I'm here you got to understand why you're here. We're not on earth just to live, die, and then go to heaven. God created us as a solution to a problem. Everything God created, he created as a solution to a situation that he wanted us to fix. So you are here on earth as proof that there's a problem that needs to be solved. That's why you're here, for God, because God created everything on purpose with a purpose, Rick Warren says. So everything we see, according to Dr. Miles Monroe, everything has a purpose, even when we don't understand that purpose. And whenever purpose is not understood, abuse is inevitable. So when you don't know why something exists, you're going to abuse it. When you don't know what a wife is for, you'll abuse her. When you don't know what a, what a drug or a prescription is for, you'll abuse it. When you don't know what alcohol is for, you'll abuse it. And so when we don't know what things are for, the church, money, or other issues, we end up abusing that very thing when you don't know its purpose. So and likewise, when you don't know what your purpose is, you abuse yourself. So it's vital to understand why I'm here. And the children of Israel, they were on the verge, say on the verge. And the Bible says that they cried out according to to Exodus chapter 2. And that word in the Hebrew, cried out, literally means this. It means to cry out, to groan, to mourn, or to grieve. Have you ever been in such, and this is what it's saying, that cry out doesn't mean this. Ah, that's not the cry out they're talking about. 
The, the cry is, have you ever been so deeply in, in a mourning, so deeply in a problem that you can barely even get anything out? And it becomes more like, it's not a yell, it's a, uh, uh, it's a groaning. The children of Israel are under so much pressure under their opposers in Egypt that there's a groaning that has taken over. It's the cry of groaning. They're, they're, it's not even their mouth that's crying out, it's their spirit. Have you ever been so oppressed? Have you been in a relationship, in a financial situation? You've been in a, a physical situation where you find yourself groaning. It, it, they're in physical distress here. And I want you to understand that when they pray, God hears. Someone say, God hears. Every time you pray, God hears your prayer. God answers every prayer. Sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no, sometimes it's wait. But he does answer your prayer. And I want you to notice what happens here is that as they pray, Moses becomes the solution to their problem. But when Moses comes and he starts intervening, things get worse. They don't get better. Come on, somebody. They, they take the straw away from them. And now they have to gather their own straw, yet keep their quota up. And now they're beginning to complain that now the very people that have them under oppression are mad at them. Now, they're already under oppression. They're slaves. How much more mad at them can they get? And some of us are more concerned about offending our oppressors than we are about finding freedom. Oh, you missed that. And they found themselves that they were so, so concerned about their taskmasters, they weren't focused in on their freedom or their deliverer. And so when Moses comes, they begin to complain. And I want you to recognize that many of us end up complaining about the very thing that we were praying about. You ask God to, to save your marriage. You ask God to touch your family. You ask God to deliver you and, and help you develop patience. You ask God to draw you closer. Now all of a sudden you have problems. Problems that draw you closer to God. All of a sudden you prayed for patience and everyone's getting on your last nerve. Oh, come on somebody. You're praying, God, I want to learn to be faithful in giving and all of a sudden you have a financial crisis. Because when you pray, God answers. Somebody say amen. amen. So Moses was the answer to their prayers. God heard their cries. And I want, you to, I want to submit this to you. God hears your cry. In fact, I want you to take a look at this. That on the verge, on the verge our cries must be made to the right person. Many times on the verge, we're crying out to the wrong people. We're complaining to the wrong people that can do nothing about our situation. Instead of going to God, who has the ability to take care of that situation. Psalms 56, verse 8 says this. Check this out. This is powerful. You've kept track of my every toss and turn through sleepless nights. Oh, come on. How many of you have ever had a sleepless night? You're rolling around, trying to find that comfortable, situ comfortable position. You're moving around. You go to the living room. You lay down there. You go on the couch. Get on the chair. You're trying to find a place. God has memorized. God has held on to every single sleepless night you've had. And not just sleepless night. Every turn he remembers. Every position shift. God knows. All the different moves that you did when trying to fall asleep. God remembers all those things. He says each tear is entered in your ledger. Oh, come on, somebody. 
Every tear you cry, you think that no one's seen the tears you cry, God's caught them all in his bottle. Every tear you've ever cried, every frustration you've ever gone through, every ache is written in his book. Did you catch that? God has never wasted a tear you've cried. He's never lost a a movement of uncomfortableness that you've gone through. I want you to know that in the midst of that cry, God sends a deliverer. Somebody say amen. That in the midst of your situation, God sent you a deliverer. In the middle of your marital crisis, you have a deliverer. In the middle of your physical crisis, you have a deliverer. In the middle of your financial crisis, you have a deliverer. In the middle of that depression, you have a deliverer. In the middle of that addiction, you have a deliverer. God sent his one and only son, Jesus, to deliver you and I from every bondage that you can ever face. He said, I am. I am whatever you need. Who shall I say sent me? Tell I am that I am has sent you. When you're sick, I am your healer. When you're distressed, I am your peace. When you're lost, I am your your road. I am your guidance. I'm here to tell you today that whatever you need, Jesus still is. He is your deliverer. Someone say amen. Amen. Secondly, you got to remember this. You got to remember where you're going. I, I think a lot of times that we head out on the road that we forget where we're going sometimes. There's been times that I've been on, we've been heading out somewhere to an event or to an appointment or something. And as soon as I get on the road, if we're going on a familiar road, I might make the wrong turn. Because I think we're going to work instead of going to the appointment. Because once we start talking and I'm driving on that road, if the road is familiar, I'm going to go down the familiar path. And so when I get to that option of turning off, instead of going where I intended to go, I end up going what's familiar. And I have to stop and make a U-turn and come back and get back on the right road. What am I telling you? In Exodus chapter 3 verse 80 says this. So I came down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. I want you to notice what's going on. God came out and after they prayed, God says, listen, I'm going to deliver you. But I'm not just going to take you out of something. I'm going to take you into something. Oh, come on, somebody. I need you to understand that God doesn't just take you out of an addiction, take you out of a bad relationship, take you out of a depression, take you out of something. God only takes you out of something to bring you into something better he says to lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile spacious land it's a land flowing with milk and honey and so like I said God doesn't take you somewhere without out of somewhere one place without taking you to a better place somebody say amen say I just simply want to say this to you this morning you're going somewhere let me try this side you're going somewhere Amen? And we we forget, we're on the road so long that we forget that we're actually on a destination to get somewhere. Now, it may have been a long road. You may have taken some turns along the way. You may have gotten off track, but but the great thing I love about the Holy Spirit, he's like the GPS, that no matter how many bad turns I make, he always recalibrates to get me, show me how to get to where I'm going from wherever I'm at. Oh, come on. You got to follow what I'm saying this morning. And so I want you to understand that I I think some of us are, are so depressed that we're looking at our current location. Don't judge me on my current location. 
Don't judge my destination based on my current location. Did you hear me? Don't judge my, current, my destination based on my current location. You may look at me right now and you might think that I'm not going to amount to much, but don't judge where I'm at as opposed to where I'm going because I'm just stopping off here. This isn't where I'm camped out. This isn't where I'm ending. I might be in the middle of a marital crisis, but this isn't where we're stopping. I might be in the middle of a physical crisis, but this isn't where I'm stopping. I may be in the middle of a crisis in my life or going through a struggle, but this isn't where I stop. I'm going somewhere. I have a plan on my life. I have a call on my life. There is destiny that God has placed upon me. Exodus 13, we find that God gives them the promise, but on the way to the promise, how many have ever had a problem? I said, how many have ever had a problem? Come on, someone back there with both hands and their feet up in the air. On the way to the promise, God delivers them, shows his power through the ten plagues. And after the ten plagues come out, Pharaoh says, you know what, get out of here. You guys just get out. And they get out. They, the exodus takes place and they, they cross over after the Passover. They all come out of Egypt. And when they come out, they are celebrating. They are free. And you've heard the statement, it's easier to get people out of Egypt than it is to get Egypt out of people. It's hard sometimes to get a slavery mindset out of you. You can live in a beautiful house and still have a poverty mentality. I need you to understand something. It's the mind that needs to change. And when they come out, they they get into their own land of freedom. They're on their way. They're in the process. And they come to the Red Sea. And when they come to this obstacle, they turn around and see that there's an army descending upon them. And now they begin to complain. Now they begin to cry out. And they begin to yell at Moses, why did you bring us here? Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out here to die? In other words, what they were saying was... Was this I'd rather die in Egypt than to die out here on the pursuit of our dream I'm here to tell you something this morning that many of you would rather die in, in bondage than to, to pursue the dreams and the plans that God has for your life do you understand that you were created for greatness wired for greatness God had designs of greatness upon your life And yet they begin to complain as soon as they come up to an obstacle. The level of the promise on your life is the level of the obstacle that will stand in front of you. If you have a little speed bump side promise in your life, you're going to have a speed bump type of problem you're going to have to step over. It doesn't take much. But if you have a Mount Everest promise on your life, come on somebody, You're going to have to go through a Mount Everest kind of effort to reach the top. You're not just going to walk out one day and start climbing it. You're going to have to prepare yourself to get up that mountain. You're going to have to prepare yourself and work through the process in order to get to the promise that's on your life. And I want you to understand that as as they're going through this, notice this. God went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud during the day to guide them on the way. And at night, a pillar of fire to give them light. And thus they could travel both night and day. And the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night never left. Someone say never left. Never left the people. I want you to understand that you got to look for evidence that God is with you. 
Sometimes you think because you're in the middle of a night season in your life that God's disappeared. No, his pillar of fire is still standing there. If you would just lift your head up, you'll see the pillar still there. If you would recognize the Holy Spirit still inside you, he promised to never leave you nor forsake you. Stop focusing in on the problem and start lifting your head and seeing that there is evidence that God is still with you. Come up to this situation and I don't have time to read it, but Exodus 14, 13, the people are, are complaining, God, what, what, what's going to happen? We're going to die here. And I love what God tells them. He says, don't be afraid. Stand firm. Stop being afraid. Move forward. He tells Moses, why are you crying out to me? Move forward. Make a way. But God, there's, there, there's a big old ocean in front of us. There's a sea in front of us. And there's an army behind you, behind us. Make a way. Go forward. When the enemy is pursuing you and the promise is in front of you, make a way. When it seems like there is no way, stand firm. Trust God and make a way. When your marriage seems like there's no way, make a way. When the finances seem like there's no way, make a way. Stand firm. Trust God and make a way. Oh, come on. Somebody got to hear me this morning. Lastly, number three. Who's going with you? Got to remember who's with you. These people complained, man. I mean, they complained about the water. They complained about the food. They complained about the leadership. Come on, somebody. They complained about their enemies. They complained about the conditions. They complained about the process. They complained about the heat, the cold. They were complaining about everything. All they did was complain. They kept on complaining. And it got to the point that when Moses went up to hear from God to get direction, the people got restless while they were in the valley. That they ended up making other gods. Created an idol. It's amazing how quickly we turn our back on God when it seems like God isn't answering. How quickly we give up on God when God never gives up on us. And they're ready to throw in the towel. They, they, they create this God and they say, this is the God that brought us out of Egypt. And God is so upset with them. In verse chapter 32 of Exodus, you see what God tells them in verse 9. He says, I look at these people. Oh, what a stubborn, hard-headed people. This is the message version. I, lo- I just like the way the message puts this. Leave me alone now. God, God's telling Moses, hey, just, just leave me alone. I don't want to hang out with you right now. Just get away from me. Let me alone now and give my anger free reign to burst into flames and incinerate them. But I'll make a great nation out of you. What God's telling Moses, listen, I'm going to wipe these people out. It's just me and you, buddy. I'm going to create a whole new nation with you. Most of us would be like, you got it, God. I'm down with that. Let's start it. Let's get it. Get rid of all of them. Let's start over. Because these people are working my last nerve, too. I can't, I'm getting tired of de- dealing with these people. But Moses had a humble heart. And I love what Moses tells God. He tells him in chapter 33, he says, listen, if you wipe these people out, if you wipe them out of your book, wipe me out too. If you're going to get rid of them, get rid of me. 
That's what I love about Pastor Matt, his heart for the people to stand in the gap. It's not about me, it's about the people. It's about reaching the goal. And he stands there and he says, listen, if you're going to wipe them out, God, then God, you're going to have to wipe me out too because you said you're going to take us into a land. You said you were going to make us a great nation. You said that you were going to do miracles. You said you were going to take us in. And you're going to, if you defeat us now, What's the world going to say about us? What's the world going to say about you? You can't do this. And I firmly believe it wasn't that God wanted to wipe out the people, even though his heart, he may have felt like it. But he was giving Moses an opportunity to stand in the gap. When God speaks judgment, it's not because he wants to wipe out people. It's because he's hoping that someone would stand up and stand in the gap on behalf of the people. When we hear these prophets of doom stand up and start saying there's judgment coming and X, Y, Z, it's those prophets, it's not just to declare that judgment's coming. What God wants us to do is not just declare judgment, but for someone to stand in the gap and say, no, God, don't do it. Don't do it. The Bible says, I look for a man who would stand in the gap, but there was no one. I don't know about you, but I'm telling God today, let it be me. If it's out of school, I may not be the one that speaks it, but I can make it happen. I may not be behind the mic, but I can pull resources together to make that event take place. What am I here to tell you? I'm here to simply say this. There were limits to God's patience with the people. There was a point where God was just like, you know, that's it. But Moses says, don't do it, God, because Moses understood this. Listen to me as I close. Moses simply says this. I know, God, I know we're on the verge of something great. I know we're on the cusp of a breakthrough. Don't destroy us. We're so close. We've come so far. Look at everything that's happened. Let's not give up just because of where I'm at right now. What would happen if the children of Israel on the seventh day, on the seventh time around the wall of Jericho said, man, I'm getting tired. I ain't doing this no more. We're just going to stay right here. What if the man by the pool of Bethesda who showed up for 38 years, who was sick, waiting for the water to be stirred. What if on that 38th year said, man, I've been there 37 years. I'm not going this year. He never would have had an encounter with Jesus. What would have happened with the woman with the issue of blood, 12 years struggling with this situation? If she didn't press through the crowd, if she was on the cusp, she was on the verge, everything else behind her didn't give a clue that she was on the verge of a breakthrough. But she still went and pressed through the crowd. Why? Because in her heart, no matter what she saw, she believed she was on the verge of a breakthrough. God tells Moses this, okay, dude, I won't wipe them out. In fact, you guys go ahead. I'll take you, you guys go ahead to the promise. In fact, Exodus 33, verse 3 says, you guys go ahead, go to the promise. But I'm not going with you. Because if I hang out with y'all for a second, I'll destroy you. So you go go ahead, and you would think that would be enough for Moses. 
okay, cool, God, thank you. We, we got the promise. You didn't destroy us, and we're still moving forward. You know what Moses says? Uh-uh. No. If you're not going with us, we're not going. If you're not going with us, we're not going. You could send an angel with us. You could send 10,000 angels. But if you don't go with us, we're not moving up. Because you're the one that said you're going to take us there. And if you don't take us, what's the use of going? Because Moses understood the promise without the promiser means nothing. Oh, you didn't catch that. Because many of us want the promises of God. But once we get it, we want the job. But once we get the job, we leave the promiser out. Once we get the relationship, we leave the promiser out. Once we get the blessing, we leave the promiser out. It doesn't do any good to walk into the promised land and get the promises of God when you're missing out on the presence of God. We need the presence. Moses says, no way. Not moving without you. Verse 17. Sorry, this is a little longer than I expected. God said to Moses, all right. Earlier in this chapter, you got to read chapter 32 and 33 in the book of Exodus because it says that God, God spoke to, Moses spoke to God as a friend, speaks to a friend. Notice those that were closest to God had the ability to almost offend God in their conversation with him. They, they asked for things that seemed like, wait, well, that's disrespectful, dude. How are you going to tell God no? But they had a relationship. That's what relationship's all about. All right, God says to Moses, just as you say, this also will I do. Come on, somebody. For I will, for I know you well and you are special to me and I know you by name. Check this out. Moses said, okay, cool. You not only gave me the fact that we're going to still get the promise. You're not only going to go with us. Now I'm going to ask for one more thing. Show me your glory. Show me your glory. I I haven't shown that to anyone. It's all right. You said no earlier on the other thing, so I'm just going to say I'm going all in. You've given me everything else I asked for. I want to see your glory. Well, no man can see my face. Well, I'll take your back. I just want to see part of you. I just want evidence that you're here. I just want to know. And he saw something no one else ever saw. I'm here to tell you, do you understand parents? Do you understand mom and dad? That you have the ability to push a, put, put a demand on God that will not only bless you, but it will bless the generations after you. That you can press in to the point where you're going to see something that's going to allow your children to walk on a land that they had never owned, that they never sowed into. Because you're going to take them from sowing to reaping into inheritance. I don't know about you, but this morning I'm asking God, God, show me your glory. I'm praying for you that God would show you what the Hebrew glory is, kabod. Everyone say kabod. Kabod is not, is not a shish kebab, okay? It's not a kabod where you, you eat. Kabod talks about a weightiness. It's a weight. We talk about the glory. What, what he was saying, I want to fill the presence. 
I want the presence to literally weigh, that there's this weighing down. And if you've ever been to some of the old school Pentecostal uh, services where people all of a sudden are falling down, it's the glory of God has hit them that they can't stand anymore. The, the, the weightiness of the presence of God. In, in, in the, the Old Testament, you see after Solomon builds the temple that the priest can't even enter into the temple because of the weightiness of the glory of God. I'm here to tell you that you don't have to pray or ask God to fill a temple because God doesn't dwell in buildings made with hands, the word of God says, but God dwells in the hearts of people. He says, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the representative of God. You were created, fashioned, and formed by God to carry the breath of God. You are put together not to praise not to worship you are created to have dominion and to carry the breath of God you are to be filled with the presence of God that's what you're created and then I take that presence into the schoolyard I take it into the business into the boardroom I take it into the prison I take it in wherever I'm at I carry the presence with me because you are the temple of the Holy Spirit Problem is, some of our temples have been vacated years ago. Got cobwebs on the door. The presence hasn't been in that temple for years. Romans says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory. You were created for glory. You didn't fall short of the standard of God. You fell short of his glory. It's the very thing that Moses is asking, God, show me your glory. Let me know what I was created for. Let let me experience. Bow your heads this morning. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.com.